Hey everyone, uh, my name is Joshua. You know that by now because you're on my page. <laughs> I don't even know why I do introductions. Ever since I started hosting my own content, it kind of makes no sense because you're here on purpose. Uh, but thank you for being here. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for everyone who has subscribed to the subscription only broadcast. And uh, thank you for everyone who's supported the podcast and everything else uh, here on joshuatberglin.com. And you can also now check the app store and just search my name and you should see um, my website, but through the app store. Pretty exciting. Um, I think it's live and official now. But anyway, uh, I, we have a, an amazing broadcast today. And uh, I'm so excited to have Alundis on. And I hope I said his name right. Um, he's not here yet, but this, uh, I, I like, I like this guy a lot. Um, just when he approached me about coming on the broadcast and, um, just what he's about. And of course he's, I think so grateful for his service as a Marine, but his, he's got a powerful story and, uh, he's just a neat guy. So I'm really excited about this broadcast and I'm really grateful that you're here so we will see you in just a bit. And thank you again for being here. And thank you also for sharing with friends. God bless you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to welcome you to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. And I got my man here, Alundis. Said it right, yes? Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, I'm getting better at this. I'm learning to read finally. My man, I am so excited to have you here. And I said this in the intro. But there was just something about your approach when you reached out about coming on the broadcast. I'm like, I really like this guy. And then I started looking into your story. Dude, I, I'm really excited to have this conversation. But before we get into it, will you tell me, what are you grateful for today and why? Oh, this is actually something I was thinking of this morning. I'm just grateful for another day to live, brother, because there's points in my life. I had friends who died in 1920. One of my best friends died of cancer at 19. Just grateful to live because you may see it as, oh, it sucks right now. I don't have money. It's a bad day. But I'd rather have that bad day than not have a day at all and not be able to take care of my daughter, not be able to do it. So today was one of those for me. I woke up at three in the morning to go hit the gym and I have really bad arthritis. My joints are aching. My body's falling apart. My mid-20s. And I could have just went back to sleep. But I was like, you know what? I'm really grateful for this. Got in the gym. And I was just happy to be there and pushing myself, even though that's not what I wanted to do, because I wanted to do the comfort-based decision, wrap myself up with a heated blanket and just lay there. But I was like, hey, this is what I have to do to be able to do the best I can be. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. First of all, you almost made me cry. Secondly, because it's such a, a real, authentic gratitude. And I appreciate that. I get a lot of half-ass answers. And that's why I say why, because I, I try to force people to say, Oh, I'm grateful for the sun. Like, why are you grateful for the sun? But that's such a beautiful answer. But what I didn't know is that you're dealing with arthritis already. Did that come from, by the way, thank you and God bless you for your service, man. Thank you, brother. I, that's being a Marine's no joke from everything I understand about it. And thank you for your service. Is that where the arthritis came from is serving? Yeah. So it's osteoarthritis. So what happened was I was running one morning. What's funny is in I guess the universe, God, it all goes into it. So I needed to learn something. So I'm pushing on everything. This is year two. I was my own boss. I was 19, 20 years old. 
my own boss in the Marine Corps because my unit moved to Hawaii. My old boss switched her orders and she's, hey, looks like you're your own boss. So to me, I'm on top of the world, going to get promoted to E5 in two years, which would have been insane. So I'm over here thinking my head's in the clouds, doing two-day workouts, best shape of my life, and finally getting that six-pack. I'm running one day, someone steps on my heel, bucks outward, hit it on the deck. And then after that, we do what we do as men. We keep pushing. So uh -huh. I kept pushing, doing frog jumps. And Ooh. I was like, you know what? Something feels nasty in my knee. It just feels like it's grinding. It's different. So I ended up tearing a lot of the cartilage in my knee, which caused the arthritis, severe joint pain to my elbows, knees, hips, shoulders, because I dislocated both of them. So that's where like that journey started with me was that ego first, because I was like, man, I'm on top of the world. And then it was just like, bro, that's not what it is. And two, your body's telling you it's breaking down. So it's probably a hint you need to try something different. And to me, I was still in that heavy lifting mode, young. So definitely had to transition quick. So you're in your 20s, right? Yeah, I'm 25. 25. God, it took me, I was 36 before I started to figure it out. Because there's a point where you start to figure it out, but it's still a process because you still push it. Mm -hmm. After my back surgeries, I'm, like, I'm going to race mountain bikes. <laughs> I kept pushing. It was insane. But the other day, I decided that I was going to start stretching again because I haven't really done yoga since I had the two back surgeries. So it's been years. So I got out of practice of stretching because stretching is just boring. There's nothing fun about it. And uh, but I'm trying to be really aware of these things that I need to do to be the best that I can be. And stretching was part of it. I got so limber again, like pretty quick. I guess there was a muscle memory from my days of being flexible. And uh, I loosened myself up enough to throw a rib out of place. And I was bed bound for five days. And every time I wanted to get up, because I'm like, the gym makes everything better. Go to the gym. You've got the flu. Go to the gym. Like your leg fell off. Go to the gym. It's going to grow back. That's just been my philosophy with life. And literally every day I had to go, nope, you're going to be smart. You're going to get through this. Just rest. Just rest. Listen to your body. But I'm 43 now, so I'm glad that I'm learned the lesson. So I will say this about you. Even though osteoarthritis sucks, at least you learn your lesson now. <laughs> oh, definitely. You know what's funny is I'm glad you brought that up because that was something last May uh, that happened to me. So me and the wife, one day we're talking. And then all of a sudden, here goes me motivated at 10 p.m. at night. And I can't sleep already. I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym. So I go to the gym and I'm deadlifting at 135, not even heavy. I'm going to go fast and went fast. Uh, I pulled my lower back. And let me tell you, that was the worst pain ever. But it's never been to a point where like it's I'm unable to walk. It was just too much pain. I was dropping. Yeah. And yeah. Like I dropped <laughs> when I got home, did the Jordan Belfort, opened the door, crawled out of the car got inside, slept downstairs, called my wife in the middle of the night. Hey, I'm going to the bathroom. It's very hard right now. She's like, what's going on? I was like, yeah, my back didn't, it's not cooperating. Do you want to go to the hospital? Yeah, I can't get back into that car. So I'm just going to lay here. Oh my gosh. I, my wife forced me to go to the, the doctor or the, what do you call it? Emergency, not emergency room, the, the urgent care. And I didn't want to go because I'm like, it's just out of place. I know exactly what they're going to do. We're going to be here. I just kept delaying it. I should have listened day one because they gave me a shot of some non-narcotic because narcotics make me insane. I can't take pain pills. Oh, uh, you're the same, brother. I'm the same exact way. It That's makes me I like a madman. I don't want to look at it. I took it during my back surgeries. The first surgery, I took pot brownies and that helped and I didn't get hooked on pain pills. The second surgery, I couldn't get pot. And so I'm like, oh, shoot. So I had to do the pain pills. Man. That is, that's from the devil. Like meth is the devil. That's an angel thing is another devil.
that's synthetic heroin is oxycontin because i got the same thing when i got knee surgery I had oxycontin and they're like oh yeah m- most you can take is four i took four of those and i'm like hey i can still take more this isn't working and it was just like what and then even they prescribed me as a neuroblocker because and that's part of the journey i got told and actually two days ago i found out relief um so I got told when I was in the record that it was chronic knee pain. The doctor I had, who was like a chiropractor, she decided to tell me, hey, you need to be a big boy and eat clean. And that's why, because because I've always been bigger on the weight side. So yeah. I was always lifting weights and I was big. So I was like 230 and she's like, yeah, you need to be able to be lower. Like maybe it's because of your weight. So I go here, lose 30 pounds, still nothing. I kept battling it with my knee. So they're like, oh, we'll give you a neuroblocker. It's going to be some antidepressant. I'm like, I don't want to take antidepressants. They weird me out because I kind of knew something was going to happen. Well, anyway, triggers the PTSD, triggers the anxiety, depression. I'm over here having panic attacks at work. Then they're telling me that I'm forcing myself to feel that way. I'm like, okay, let me take the medication again. Oh, same effect. So it was something for me battling it. And then even when I had that surgery, I was like, I'm not taking that because it's not doing anything for me. So two days ago, my wife actually got me back into the doctor. So I got some MRIs. And they were like, yeah, there's a big chart, big chunk of cartilage under my kneecap. And that's where it's in, really inflamed. So it's bigger. And then it just keeps rubbing on the nerve. So anytime I move anything, that's where I'm feeling that pain is right there. And then since I already have a little bit out right there, when we never really went in to fix it, it's just going to keep deteriorating with time. Basically, it's a sign for me that like, even if I do get the surgery to fix it, I'm still going to have to work out differently. No yeah. more spotting. Me, I'm going to do one marathon just because I said I can do it because I haven't ran in four years. So in my head, I'm like, I'm going to get surgery. I'm going to run a marathon and then I'm done. But we'll see when that happens. Yeah. It was one thing for me to learn, hey, I got to start taking this slowly because what I'm doing right now was not working. And that's recently why I went back to the doctor because I'm like, I don't know why I'm feeling worse just because it's cold right now. I'm feeling worse than I've ever felt. So that's where I was like, all right, it's a sign I need to get back in there and get some help. I think that. I'm not a doctor, but I play doctor on myself a lot. I'm a bit of a pharmacist with natural products. There is a, it's, a, it's all in one molecule. It's chondroitin sulfate, hyaluronic acid, and collagen type 2. The product itself, there's two versions of it. Biocell collagen is what it's called. But all of it, it's chicken sternum is what it's pulled out of. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I had knee issues, shoulder issues, because I didn't take care of myself at all. And having HIV, you've got side effects from the medication, the inflammation, so like chronic pain all the time. This collagen product, there's a liquid version, but it's really, the problem with it is it's very expensive and it doesn't need to be. The pill version you can find for 10 bucks on Amazon, doctor's best. It takes about four days to feel it, but it may give you the relief that you need. And here's the thing, it's not a narcotic, there's no side effects. And it could help you. I mean, you're young enough that you could bounce back. And because, you know, doctors want to do surgery, they want to prescribe. This is a really good alternative that could help. Yeah. Ask me later. But it's I would have said no to surgery. But now the reason why is two years physical therapy, four injections in my knee. Injections sucked because I just felt worse. Like I would have one day out of the however three month period. And I'm like, oh, I feel good. And then it's just depressing, demoralizing again because. Then the knee starts kicking in. You're like, bro, I don't want to go to the gym. I can't lift. Like, why? I can't. Like, I can't do anything. My knee starts shaking really bad. And then it's harder to walk after. So that's where I was like, all right. This time we figured out what it is again. And I'm like, all right, let's get the surgery. Let's fix this thing. Because I've done the injections route, done the physical therapy. I had the arthroscopic surgery, which made me start back from square one, even though it was only two weeks of no activity. So that was tough as well. Because it was like, okay, finally got my hip strong like they told me. And then I'm hurt again. So then I have to. 
slowly build myself up. Man, that's wild to be going through that already. So I, the reason at the very beginning, I told you like you were going to make me cry with your gratitude. It was something, it was the way that you spoke of your child. And it was not like you went into a bunch of detail, but there was this, the energy behind what you said, it, like it just hit me right in the heart because I know about your father. I know, I don't know the whole story or anything, but I know that you grew up in an alcoholic home and that brings all kinds of different traumas and disease and stress and anxieties and uncertainties and feelings of it's just a lot of different feelings right so and i even my father wasn't my father wasn't an alcoholic per se but he had his own stuff so i can relate to you from that standpoint that's very hard to grow up in that environment let me ask you this um how is your father still alive yeah he's still alive are, do you guys have a good relationship now no, we no longer talk. It just went downhill. I tried. Yeah, basically, I knew from the start, like when I turned 18, that it wasn't going to happen. I had a traumatic event while I was on boot leave. I had a stepdad in the mix that was as well. So he uh, basically thought my mom was having an affair one night, pulled a 45, shot within a centimeter of my wrestling coach's face. So I almost killed my wrestling coach. SWAT team goes in. So I was going through trauma then. Reason why I started talking to my dad again was, hey, dad, I mean, need your help sometime. Yeah. Glad nothing like that ever happened, but ended up having my daughter. And during our baby shower, or no, sorry, he didn't show up to the baby shower. He lied to me, said he was going to be there, and then didn't show up and sent a text message after. And I was just like, hey, brother, if you can't make something, like text somebody in advance, hey, I'm going to be working today. Yeah. Don't like text them at 8 p.m. that night and then say something. But the fact was, is we had a gender reveal. That was the first part. And he came up there i don't know if he was coked out but it was one where normally i don't trip off anything like i smoke cannabis so yeah i don't give a shit what anybody does as long as it's helping you but he was off that day i can sense it because that's one thing that i learned as a kid is just learning situations i know what people's sure. on i'm observing everything and that's why i get myself into some situations as an adult now is i overanalyze to protect myself yeah I noticed it, but her family came out to my wife's family and she's, oh, what's up with your dad? He's just talking really fast. He's acting whatever. My dad's a big old jack dude too. So a little bit intimidating and I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, that's just my dad, but that's how everybody acts with him. As of now, we're not. And then also my daughter's born, find out right after that he has a kid on the way. So I have another sibling that's two months younger than my daughter. So it was weird. You know, yeah. how it played out because he got a divorce and then all of a sudden had another kid. And it was just like awkward times where like me and him couldn't talk because that's part of the problem too. I can't explain the way I process things because I was depressed a lot when I got out the military and uh, he would be mad at me like, suck it up, stop being a bitch. And I'm like, I can't, like I'm processing all these things, but it's different when you're trying to talk to somebody and they're not acknowledging whatever it is. Like whether they did wrong, they did right, or it doesn't even include them. He was trying to tell me I had a good life. And I'm like, yeah, from the outside looking in, it looks like I had a good life because I've always achieved, got good grades, sure. good in sports, but there was some deep shit I was battling. And that's why I was drinking so much. And yeah, really going into that part. Man. That's, yeah, it's such a an interesting, like growing up, I remember how much I hated my dad. I hated him. I showed up. I was a cokehead and meth head and chem sex addict and all that stuff. And I just remember hating my father, like rooting for him to die. Like I couldn't wait for cancer to just kill him. And I know that sounds awful, but I hated him that much. I understand. The night before his funeral, the girl I was with at the time, we like had an orgy and we're all coked out doing blow till 6 a.m. And 
The funeral was at 8 a.m. I didn't make it there till 9.30 and uh, made a complete mockery of his funeral. But I made an asset of myself, made a mockery of myself. But, of course, I didn't see that at the time. I just hated his guts. And, of course, I had my own demons. But it was realizing the only way I was able to forgive him, and he was already dead. I was in jail my sixth time. And when I was screaming at God about why he wouldn't fix me, why he wouldn't change me, just screaming at him. Why won't you fix me? And I swear to you, man, I heard, you have to forgive your father. How the fuck am I supposed to do that? After, you know, what he did to me, or did my mom, my sister, blah, 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 just going down the list. Because it happened to him, too, is what I heard. And then for the very first time, I think I, in my life, I had compassion for my father, which compassion is what allowed me to forgive eventually. And then, of course, I learned forgiveness is a journey. <laughs> you don't just do it all at one time. But that was the pivotal moment in my life where I was able to turn things around and get away from that life that I was living. Where I got out of jail four days later with no charges, thank God. But that was the turning point in my life for you. Because you got your, you've got it going on now. I know you have your health issues and stuff like that, but you have a family that you're proud of. You have an awesome media organization. And you can tell by the presentation of all of your, your collateral, if you will, it's so well put together, so well thought out. You've taken the time to do that. Most people I encounter never take the time to do that. I wouldn't even do what you've done. I mean, I'm in media too. Like, I wouldn't do all that. I, but, like, I admire all of that. But you don't go from the place that you were at to there without some kind of change. What was the change for you? Repeating some of the generational trauma. So like you said, brother, the same things that happened to your dad happened to you. My dad, same thing. So what's what what was ruining, I can, I can say, my perception for so long when I was a kid yeah. is everybody says different things. And what's funny is I talk to a lot of people. And that's the one thing I've always done around my life. And especially when I start the podcast, my parents are getting people to listen to it and getting upset about what I said. And I'm like, I've always done that. Like talk to people, got in trouble for talking to someone's mom. Cause they're like, why are you acting like that? Why are you sad? Cause I just zone out and I'm thinking yeah. about something. And I'm like, Oh, so for instance, my dad, my mom, dad separated. I was three or four within that time period. My dad had sex with a girl in the same bed I was in. So as a kid, I knew what sex was. I knew what drugs were like, I was four years old, ran the house, cleaned it. Like I just process all this shit. So when I get older and start doing the same thing, the sex edition and addiction, excuse me, because I broke up with my wife before to go end it with my ex who was just toxic and it was just all about sex, but similar oh, yeah, to what I, know I thought I wanted. And then, yeah, and then I got sexually assaulted before. So that's where I didn't process that stuff. And it went into why I had the addiction even more because yeah. it was something that like, that's what I craved and that's what I wanted, but I didn't know why it stemmed from something. So it was really going through these things, drinking a gallon of whiskey at one point, falling into it, or for me, drinking. So when I drink it, that's where that other person comes out. And yeah. cheating on my wife where I'm not intentional, walked a girl to her room. She kissed me. And it was something where I was just like, why do I keep putting myself in these situations? Because I start drinking. And then all of a sudden, I don't give a shit about anything. And I don't think and I'm just having a great time being this great guy that everybody wants. Why? Because I'm insecure because I was that fat kid. I always felt like nobody really wanted me. I always felt having those thoughts and my friends die. And then it gets me even bigger abandoned issues because I have to think about you know, my dad not wanting me. But then two, every time I get close to somebody, I got to be like, hey, man, if you die, then it's just me again with my thoughts. And then now I'm in a worse place. So for me, it was repeating these things, 
And then just having a daughter, like the other day, I broke down from my daughter because she's fearless at times. And then she shows that she's human. So we have a staircase and she's one. So she climbs up the whole staircase. No problem. You have two little stairs in her room. She got scared to go down the stairs. So I like went over there. I'm putting her on there. I'm like, hey, you're going to do this five times until you get this and you're able to do it. You're not going to be done. So she goes through and she's happy that she did it. And I started crying because I'm like, that's something that I wish I would have had a little bit. Like my oh, dad was still with nails. And so he would be telling me shit all the time. Like one time he was like, hey, you go on the high dive at the school. I'm like, oh, heck no, I don't do that. That's too high for me because I have a fear of heights and roller coasters. And um, he was just like, stop being a little bitch. So that's always like the way I push myself and whatever else. But it was awesome in that moment with my daughter, given she's only one. But it was awesome for me because I was able to see, hey, it takes that much work sometimes for you to be able to rephrase it or you to be able to say, hey, it's okay. Because I have a son on the way as well. And that's where initially we had two miscarriages, but we were going to, we thought we we're going to have a son. And I started panicking because I'm like, I don't, I'm not ready to be a dad to a son because the daughter's different the way you have to talk. But with a son, I can't talk to him as tough. I had two dads that my stepdad worked in the factory and taught me how to be able to uh, be professional in the way I spoke. And then it was my dad being a hustler. So I was like, to me to have a son, it's going to be very difficult because I don't know how to speak to him. I don't know how to help. And that's where the daughter came. We put in the work and I realized, hey, I'm overthinking it. You just got to be the best you can be and really just influence based off of how you would like to be influenced and then cater to it of how the child is. So for me, it was awesome. Like going through those things the other day because I was able to just acknowledge like the small things, get a little teary eyed because you're like, man, I just really appreciate this moment. God, I remember... Gosh, I think I shared this on yesterday's broadcast too, but I I remember, and I was a deadbeat dad. I wasn't present. I was a nightmare. All of my previous relationships until the one I'm in now. But I've been blessed to have two daughters through Jessica and they're my stepkids, but like, I love them like my own. And I remember the first time they broke my heart because I was incapable of love. It was a learning process for me. I learned, I had to learn to love myself first. And then Jessica taught me how to love another person. And then I remember the kids, it was about a year into the relationship. And I remember when they broke my heart and I go, I am screwed. I was crying. I was so sad. And I'm like, I've never experienced these emotions before. I don't know what's going on with me. And that, what that meant to me was that I knew that I was going to, what you just talked about in the stare situation and getting tears in your eyes when they do their first cartwheel or round off or in their handspring and they're in the CM dance and see the progress they make just as humans and like those moments to enjoy it. Like it's the best line of cocaine ever. And I know that's a weird comparison, but that's why I was a deadbeat dad was sex and drugs is that was taking away my pain. It was causing more pain, but I was keeping myself numb there. And to be able to have a human experience that's not synthetic, that brings as much joy and pride and emotion and love and joy is, oh, this is what it's about. This is so much better than all that other shit. Because up until that point, I was still craving drugs, still craving alcohol, still craving all of it. But the more I learned to love, the more I realized I didn't, not only did I not need any of that stuff, I didn't want it. I'm a cannabis user. I think it's a gift from God, but I love me some cannabis. But that said, any of like all that other stuff just went away because of love and the child's love. And there's something special. 
and you're, you have a one-year-old and you have another child, you'll see as time goes on, like the way they look at you. And, and then when they look for you for that approval, or they look for you to like, they want to hear a good job. And you, your story reminded me of my father. Like I learned to swim by being thrown in the deep end. Yeah. And all that, and I was always abusive and all that shit. And I hated him for all of that. But it's weird because somehow through my forgiveness process, I became thankful and grateful for all of that stuff. But at the same time, go, I'm not going to do that with my kids. There's another way, but I'm grateful because that made me tougher than shit. And it conditioned me to be able to withstand a lot of stuff that may not be all that pleasant. But I know another thing, I'll never inflict that on another human again. Is that the same for you? 100%, brother. And to me, it was the same way. was thinking about it. Actually, how it happened was my father-in-law is kind of the dad I always wish I had. Just the ideal role model for me. I call him up. We talk for hours. I think he's a little too nice sometimes because (laughs) the way that my dad molded me, going into how nice I think he is, he calls me and he's, hey, I have a situation. I need your, your thought. And he was just trying to test me to see what I would say. So basically my brother-in-law, they gave him everything. So he has this chip on his shoulder that he's entitled and uh, love him to death. But I just think sometimes you need him with a hard truth. So he wanted to go to a different college. So he signed up to one college. He's already good. He has a girlfriend that goes to one that's 45 minutes away. He doesn't have a car at the time. He uses one of the family cars. Anyway, he goes to the dad, hey, I need $800 tomorrow. Could you pay for my tuition? The dad's, hey, go tell your mom. He looks at him like, my mom's not going to have that money. Goes back to the dad, I need $800 tomorrow. You need to make it happen. The dad didn't give him the money. So he went to the girlfriend's family who works for the admissions of the school. So they end up getting him in, make a big deal. And then his, her parents, his girlfriend's parents tell the dad, yeah, it's a shame that your son's education might have to be ineffective. You're not having the financial stability or some shit like that. So he was pissed. And that's why he calls me. What do you think? And I'm like, kick this kid out. And he's like, why do you want to kick him out? Is that something that happened to you? And that's what you think and whatever. I'm like, honestly, my parents throwing me out was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because after that, I never asked for anything. Yeah. Uh, and for instance, like we bought a house. My mom was asking about my finances. <laughs> I called my mom and I'm like, hey, why are you talking about my money? Shut your mouth or don't say anything because my mom likes to just always say something. And she's like, how do I know if you need money? I said, you're the last person I'd go to for money because she was the one taking thousands of dollars from me at a young age. So I was just like, don't fucking come to me for money. So it was funny yeah. in that situation because all these thoughts are going through my head. And I like thought to him months after, so a year after I talked to him, I'm like, hey, I'm really glad that you asked my opinion in that because it just showed where I was at then versus now. Like I totally understand kicking your kid out isn't the best thing to do in every single situation because yeah. then you're allowing them to do it. But as long as you educate them, you help them, whatever it is, $800, something you guys can work back. So it's not that it's necessarily a problem and he paid it off easy, but it was something funny to me is like just our perspective on things changes over time. And we may think that, Hey, it happened to us this way. It needs to happen. And that's where it hit me was like, I have to be different as a parent because I think completely fucking different sometimes or the Marine Corps side of me where you come to me with a problem. Here's a solution. All right, figure it the fuck out. It's like, Hey, you can't always do that to people because we would get upset when people would do that to us. And then now I'm doing the same shit to other people. So that's where I was like, you need to reframe, <laughs> reframe the question and then be able to move on with that answer you can give. Man, that's good. So tell me about your media organization. I love the logo. Yeah. Tell us about what you guys, what you're doing with that. 
Absolutely, brother. So I started a video editing company called Alpha Influence Media. What we do is just really take that podcast content, the podcast recording like we're doing, brother, and then transcribing that. So you have that for SEO, whatever you want to make on Canva. And then also putting, making 15, 30 second YouTube shorts, TikToks, reels to be able to put it out there. So it was awesome for me because I'm learning, building it up. But then two, I got to be able to do what I want to do. So like my podcast, we talk about recalibrating your mindset so to be able to talk. So I talk about as a man, my failures, fucking up where doing it. Well, that's what's cool about the media is like, I'm only working with podcasters that are in it for their own message. So that was something awesome to me where it was like, I had to quit the job because my nanny moved to Minnesota, had the daughter in one arm and I'm working 60 to 80 hours, making sales calls, closing deals. And then job came at me sideways. Then I started it with my old business partner, but we ended up moving on. And that's where I realized for myself, after I tried to get a job recently, I tried to get a job and this employer was just telling me how unloyal I am and whatever else he thought about me. And it was funny listening to this because I was like, I could literally just start crying or get my feelings hurt and (laughs) shut down how I would and be like, fuck this guy. But I really had to process it for me and be like, hey, I'm grateful for all the shit I went through because that's why I started a business was so I don't have to deal with people like this and I can be able to have my time back because life hit. My wife almost died last year. She had a stroke, has a hemorrhage in the back of her brain. So she has to get surgery there. So it was like all these crazy things to where two and a half months last year, like I literally had to stop everything because I was at the hospital every single day with my wife and taking care of the daughter. Family was coming. So I was just for that opportunity the other day because it was something where I could have easily went back to those old thoughts and beat myself up of how I'm a failure, how I blew eight G's in the hole for my savings. And it was just like, hey, man, shit happens. And that was the cool thing about my wife as well. We used to fight about money, but it was me explaining the journey and be like, hey, I'm fucking sorry, but I had to go through all this shit to be able to realize that I needed to heal before I can be better for the business side to be able to work with people on the media side. So now when I'm talking, they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, like my podcast is about recalibrating your mindset, but I talk about men because this is what men go through. And I know how it is to be a man that you feel like you're never going to be good enough. You're always trying, you work your ass off, you still don't feel it. And it's just like, it's frustrating because all we do is try to be good. And then we end up being bad because we're like, fuck it, we might as well go drink and have a good time then. Sure. If life's going to drag anyway, every single day. That, yeah. No kidding. What do you use for transcription software out of curiosity? So I use Descript. That's uh, what I use. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Descript is amazing. I can't, I don't like the, they're actually a sponsor of mine and I love them, but I don't use them for the actual editing of the video, just the yeah. transcript part. And then I use Filmora, another one of my sponsors for the actual video stuff. There you go. And I use both of them. Love it. Descript. Well, I love them because they're always updating the software. It always gets better. The transcription is getting so good. But here's the only thing that scares me. Do you know what we're doing by using Descript? Oh, yeah. You're doing the AI. So you can we're get We're training it AI. Yeah. This is what we're doing. It's, that's why it keeps getting better. It's because we're teaching it. But I almost don't care. <laughs> because it's, because it it's makes our life easy. Four hours of time. I love it. No, that's my first step. Prof, I'm going to do any videos. Yeah. Uh, I go Descript first. I take it from there. And then I put it into CapCut or then I put it into Adobe. And then it's there. Like recently I started getting back into Adobe just because I was like thinking about packages wise. And I was just sure. like, it doesn't make sense to do all these different things. Why don't I just do a standard thing and be like, hey, we're going to make you custom your video that aligns yeah. to your message, whatever your brand color scheme. Because I was like, I can't be doing all these different things. And then taking 
basically trying to attract the wrong people versus yeah. being like, hey, I'm trying to attract these people who just want this type of deal that's going to allow them to be able to make impact with what they're doing versus doing all 101 things and realizing that I'm a master of none, jack of all trades type deal. I've got another piece of software that you should check out. It's another. It's my other sponsor. And I didn't do this on purpose, but you're in media. And I love sharing ideas. Like I, I like to give things away. You right should check out Superpass. They're on my website too. And you can save money because they're a sponsor. But if you look at it, but that is the technology that I have a media company in a box. It's like one of my services. And the technology is the backbone of it. Now I'm building my own technology, but right now this is what I'm using. And it's been amazing because it's how I monetize everything. It's how I monetize the show, sponsorships, our book, movie, and then services. And it's all in one place. And I love it. And then of course you get the apps with it too. So my apps on the app store, because it makes no sense. I don't know why people do this, but why would people promote iTunes? Because you want a big following count? But that doesn't help you make money. Oh, for the, so like the Apple, just because Apple is the biggest for ratings wise. So like for me, for instance, I was able to get mine up to 73 ratings. So since Apple's number one platform in that, that's why you focus it. So I used to do the same thing, only focus on Apple. But then I realized like some people listen to Spotify. So really that's where I had to click. And I'd say also the media part of the video editing is we learn pretty damn quick that like, it's not about what we're doing. It's about where we are. So like for me, and I actually recently started doing this last week. Um, I just started reading. I was just like, hey, what's one thing I like to do? Oh, I like to talk about books, talk about the four agreements, breaking down each agreement and be like, hey, don't make assumptions. Why? Oh, because I'm scared of fucking large crowds of people because I always think the worst shit's going to happen. And now I go into this room thinking these fucking things. Someone bumps me by the shoulder and I'm fighting all of a sudden. Why? Because I went in a paranoid state. I made the assumption. So just started breaking things down. And that's where for me, it was like, I got to put my piece of content that I actually work on. And then I get to talk about me and people started liking that. So that's where I, it clicked again of where you are, not necessarily what, because it was like the Facebook reels, TikTok liked it, Instagram liked it. And I'm like, it's because I have it on multiple different platforms. And then I'm also able to diversify and be like, hey, we can put the content that we actually do for business and be able to help people with the educational factors. But you're okay. So are you using these other platforms as like lead magnets? Like you just put sampling and then you send them to your website where the full content is? Correct. So I do both. Yeah. Give them the sample size and then I do have it on the website now. Perfect. So recently got a new website done and yeah, just send them there. Hey, these are the services listed on there, specifically how much I charge or anything specific. Cause like I said, I just, I give them the basic template and I'm like, Hey, yeah. here's the basic template we can build for you. That's custom to you. And then from there, it's just smooth sailing. Cause then you get to get your brand. You get to be able to get the way that you like your style. Cause a lot of times right now, everybody wants to do Hormozy style videos. It's cool. But if you don't have the content to back it up and you're not preaching, you're not in that part of your journey, then it's going to take you a little bit of time. And that's for me, I wasn't in that part of my journey. Uh, to where it was just like people didn't know what I was talking about, but I want to reframe. <laughs> hey, as a man, I'm like, you know what? I seen a couple of my Marines try to kill themselves, and here goes me drinking again and thinking that drinking is going to solve my issue. To where if I would have just went healed, so now I smoke cannabis and I journal and I'm crying and journaling my feelings out, and it's really weird to me because I've never really sat there and cried before. So I'm like putting all these things out there, and it's just the way that the storytelling is. But I'll yeah. put it in the video, and that's where people are like, "Oh yeah, we love this." That's, but that's that balances things out. I just saw something on Twitter just before you jumped on, 
and somebody was talking about like crying cleanses the soul. And I'm like, I wish I could cry. Like I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm excited, but I really struggle when I'm sad. Yeah. I can't figure that part out yet. I'm trying to figure that out, but that like crying is a good thing. I don't know who, I don't know who beat that into our head and programmed us to believe that crying was such a bad thing. But my well, God, the, I, the it, stigma is it makes you stronger, first yeah. of all. Because you're stronger when you're happier. When you're angry, you may feel like you have shorter term, but when you're happy and your energy is more elevated in the right way, you have way more stamina, way more. And I so that crying is that is masculinity. As weird as that sounds, or that's that should be factored in because no one wants to deal with an asshole. Nobody wants to deal with a jerk, somebody that's because you we are completely men, especially because we are full of testosterone. When we're angry or upset, and if we can't release that in a healthy way, it comes out ugly and dangerous because we are violent primal creatures by nature and we are we're fighters we're protectors like that's who we are but if we're not taking care of our heart we're monsters so i like that you brought this up because i I think it's amazing my man do me a favor i'd love to have you back anytime please plug your business your website how people can follow you i really enjoyed this and I'm super grateful for your time. So the floor is yours, sir. I appreciate you, brother. And I'm going to get you on my podcast as well. Easiest way to find me, thewinnersparadigm.com, the Winners Paradigm podcast, and then at Alundis underscore Havens on all social media platforms. Easiest way. Love it, man. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, brother. See you soon. See you soon, brother. It was good.